Hey, welcome to New Age Renaissance. This is episode 42. And this episode is special for a few reasons, but mostly because it's all about humanity. And if you're here, if you're listening to this right now, you are part of that humanity. You are part of that understanding of what it means to be human. It doesn't matter what you look like, what your age, sex, gender, it doesn't matter. Human beings are human beings. So tonight, or right now, whenever you're listening, I'm going to share an excerpt from a book that I wrote. I won't tell you the title of the book as it's not yet published and I don't want to spoil anything, but I will say... It's about zombies, and I've always enjoyed zombies because they make us realize and understand just how sensitive our humanity can be. In one instance, your human being, and the next, someone you love and care about has turned into something else, a creature, basically just looking to feed and survive in the most basic of ways. So how do you go about that? How would you face a zombie? Would you turn, run, and hope not to run into any more? Or would you look at this zombie, who used to be someone you cared about, and make a difficult choice? And you see, difficult choices are all a part of being human. They are, in essence, one of the very things that defines our humanity. The ability to think with our hearts. So, this story, or rather this chapter, is called Feel Free. I hope you enjoy it. Chapter 4. Feel Free. Any way to get to the roof? Flo asked, trying to pry a piece of taffy from her teeth with her tongue. Should be, I said. That's where we should hold up for the night. Good point. Night travel while trying to avoid zombies doesn't sound all that appealing. Connor starts pulling on shelves. Vic, see, help me out. He sees we're slightly confused. Firewood. We got three shelves apart, roughly, and onto the roof. Okay, my part's done. Anyone know how to start a fire? Flo does, I said, taking my backpack off and setting it up as a pillow. Yeah, absolutely. Flo shakes out her hands and cracks her knuckles. Watch and learn, my good fellows. It was the one thing she beat me at at camp. He's being modest, she said, beginning to separate the wood. I beat him at a lot of things. I shot her a glare. I supply the weapons. You supply the everything else. Seems kinda unbalanced. She starts to strike her flint. Eh. Connor hands her small pieces of wood to burn. I didn't mean to sound so shocked, Flo. Racist, CJ said with a look of shame at his brother. No, see, that's not... It would be sexist. Just as bad. Flo has the fire going just as the sun begins to set. We pile a bunch of gravel from the roof together from a makeshift fire pit. Vic, you okay? Huh? You've just been staring at the fire for a while. Oh... Yeah, just thinking about my mom. At first, 
what I thought I did was kill her, but I didn't. Whatever made the zombies did, I just wish I could have said goodbye. At least you got to see her one last time. Izzy flops down between us, smacking a piece of taffy in her mouth. She holds out a piece to Flo and I. It's root beer. She smiles wide, and with flicks of light from the fire, I can see the layer of taffy overlapping her teeth. She slaps a piece down into both of our open hands and smiles wide with a closed mouth. And she stares straight ahead at the fire. Izzy? I'm curious. How'd you end up at the candy store? Walked. No, like, why did you choose to come here? Yeah. Flo pops the taffy in her mouth. Why not try and go home or try to find your family? Graham's died. Ten months ago. Don't have any other family to go to. Izzy crosses her arms and rests her head on them. Oh. Flo looks sympathetically at Izzy. Because of the zombies? Izzy shakes her head in her arms. Abandon me. Abandoned you? Flo and I share shocked looks. Yeah. They left me. There. Izzy points down the street to a huge iron gate entrance. Transitional truth. What is it? Flo asks. Izzy takes a deep breath. It's a place they send people who are confused about their gender. Flashback. As soon as they take me inside, I know I'm going to die there. Welcome, Jason. Izzy. Follow me, Jason. We just have to do a few things before you get started. Before you get settled. This is your roommate, William. You two will get along well. Jason likes mysteries too, Will. Great, she said sarcastically. Maybe we can solve the mystery of why you keep getting our names wrong. I hated the faculty. But I couldn't have asked for a better roommate. Will, remember what the doctor says. Jason, get cozy. I expect both of you ready for dinner in an hour. As soon as Nurse Stacy closed the door... Oh, she. She's my favorite. Ha, <laughs> I can tell. I'm Izzy. Pleasure. Leanne. We want to hate her for it, but Nurse Stacy's right. We become friends immediately. Our room becomes our unwanted sanctuary. An escape from entrapment. Leanne had been there for three years. Got dropped off when I was 13... Tried writing home all the time the first year. No one ever responded. Some kids get letters from their families. It's nice to see some sense of hope in this place. It's short-lived, though, because the hope turns to fear. Most of the kids wonder if the letters are being taken seriously, because the reply letters never seem to acknowledge the fears they express. Like, home is farther away with every letter. Yeah, I think it's some sick, twisted therapy made up by Dr. Douche. He's probably telling families she puts on a pompous accent. It's vital to the reversion process. Leanne looked at me and shook her head. Don't lie. You're looking forward to meeting him, aren't you? I don't see how I can ever feel hope in this place. I miss Grams. She's the only one who gets me, or at least tried. I went to my parents first mistaking that they'd see me for the person I know myself to be. Present. Sorry to interrupt, Izzy, but what ethnicity are you? Black, or African-American, Mexican. 
Cool. IMAX 2, black and white. I was going to guess Puerto Rican. Most people thought that too. I've had a few people tell me I should just say you're Puerto Rican. It'll be easier for you. That's when I realized a lot of people prefer to live within the comforts of a lie. And I kept seeing examples of that with my parents and especially the doctors and nurses at the center. Flashback. My parents are conservative, afraid. Afraid of what people will think of their image. I knew that, but I still hoped they'd understand. That night, I showed up at my grandma's house broken and in tears. She holds me after hearing what happened. She does what my parents couldn't. She offers me a home, and to help get me started with my transition. She can't wait to help me be my true me. I was 10, and a year and a half later, I was prescribed puberty blockers. At 13 and a half, I started taking hormones. It's a whole eight months before any physical changes start to happen. And I can't tell you how happy I was. Grams and I both. 11 months ago, two weeks before my birthday, Graham said, seems we're going to need a much bigger celebration this year, honey. Leanne got the okay to start her hormone treatments, but her adoptive parents had second thoughts. They ended up choosing the center instead. Good morning, all. I'm ready, and I hope you are too, for another great group session today. It's going to be great. I can feel it. Oh, new faces, I see. Introduce yourselves, please. Here, I'll start. I'm Dr. Dutch, your new counselor and guide to help you out of your confusion. Next. Hi, I'm Greg. Hmm. Says on my sheet, your name is Glenn. Greg is my real name. I meant use your birth names. Now, try again. I'm Glenn. Good. Everyone, welcome Glenn. Welcome, we reluctantly said in unison. Welcome to the center, Glenn. Dutch smiled awkwardly and clapped at Greg aggressively. I'm Izzy. Jason, please, real names only. From now on, that's all you're allowed to use when you're addressing one another. Let's do an exercise. We all get up from our seats and stand in a circle per Dutch's instructions. He has us handwrite name tags for ourselves using our real names. We have to introduce ourselves to one another individually and share three things we like most about ourselves. Leanne and I meet each other halfway in. Hi, I'm Gag Will. Three things I enjoy are reading, mysteries, and getting a rise from Double D over there. <laughs> they called me Jason, and I enjoy funny movies, The Beach Under a Full Moon, and Taffy. Grams and I would watch Mel Brooks movies together every Friday and share a huge bag of assorted taffy. Now, take your seats. Dutch tapped his foot impatiently, waiting for us to sit down so he could sit down. Today's discussion, regret and selfishness. I don't know if anyone else noticed this, but I think Dutch had it in for Greg. He'd always look over at him, even when he asked someone else to answer his question. Over time, he would pick on him in every meeting, but Greg didn't falter. He was tough. He either shrugged off the attempted jabs or added to them with jokes of his own. Leanne and I both admire him for that. He became the third member of our cluster. Do any of you have any regrets? Regrets about the choice you selfishly made that brought you here? Regrets about missing out on all the normal things you could be doing right now with peers, 
who aren't blinded by some societal fad to deny their true genders. I have a regret. What's that, Glenn? I regret speaking up about who I am because it brought me here. His response gained a bit of hushed agreement among all of us, but Dutch was fuming. The room fell silent. Glenn, I'm sorry you feel that way. Thank you for trying. Sit down now. What do you think's going to happen to him? Leanne asked, trying not to let Dutch catch her. I don't know. Ever seen Dutch get red like that before? No, he's usually much more composed, and it's creepy. But that was like watching a predator track its prey. The next day, Greg's gone. Doc, hey. What's up, Doc? <laughs> Morning, William. Where's Greg? Glenn had a major breakthrough last night. She and I had a private session. Afterwards, she called her parents and they came to pick her up early this morning. What? Leanne and I said it at the same time. Come now. It's a good thing. She'll be the example for the rest of you. Leanne and I stared at each other and neither one of us believed him. Finish your breakfast, gentlemen. Group will be starting soon. He puts his hands on our shoulders and looks up into the skylight. Today is going to be a great day, boys. Before we sit down for group, Leanne pulls me into our room and shoves a stack of letters into my chest. What's this? The supposed letters from home. Why do you have them? One of the guys saw them sticking out of a box outside the patient files room. What's that mean? This whole place is out of its mind. They're psychotic. We have psychos parading as doctors and nurses. The following week, everything falls apart. Ladies and gentlemen, please sit down. I'm afraid I have some bad news. Tragic. We just got word. Glenn has passed. We're all sitting, waiting for some sign he's wrong, for someone to come in and say, Greg is fine. I'm hoping it's another one of his stupid exercises or something. He was only 13. It appears she's taken her own life. That's all her parents wished to say. Leanne jumped out of her seat. You dick! This is on you! Please, Will, calm down. We're all hurting. Let's not make this about you. Leanne kicked her chair behind her. Let's all take some time, some moments of respect and reflection, on Glenn and her time with us. We'll resume in 30 minutes. Hey, you okay? What? No, I'm not okay. Leanne had her hands clenched in tight fists as Dutch walked past. He, he did something to Greg. I know it. He, I don't doubt he said or did something to push Greg over the edge. We need to get out of here. This place is going to kill us from the inside. And if we die inside, what would be the point if we ever get out? How? I, I don't know yet, but something will come up. Stay close. Welcome back. Everyone feeling a little more grounded? Will? Yeah. Leanne flipped Dutch the finger under her arm. I've decided to change the plan for today's session to denial. Due to the recent event of Glenn's passing, I've been reminded of the power denial can hold over us. Denial can be overwhelmingly tormenting, soul-crushing even. 
It sneaks into our wants and dreams, infiltrates who we truly are. It takes control of all we do, say, and think until who we are becomes lost. Denial is a parasite that must be exterminated. Lest anyone else here become empowered by Glenn's misguidedness. Denial is the one key flaw you, as a group, have the most in common. I, I can't believe I've never seen it before. It cuts right to the core. You're all in denial, and I'm going to have to work twice as hard to cure you of it. Can't you see? You're hurting people, all of you. You're so focused on your perceived denial from them, you can't see the truth. It's the truth everyone but you can see. Your families are hurting because of you. You kids think you know everything. There's no way. You can't know yourselves like you think you do. You're just kids. We're born into this world already made into the people we're going to be for the rest of our lives. You're born a girl so you can be a girl. You're born a boy so you can be a boy. There's no in-between. There's no way around it. You can't deny who you truly are. That's freedom. Living up to your potential exactly as you are. That's why we're here. We want you to be free, truly free, and unafraid to accept your born gender roles. There's a crash outside the doors in the main hallway, then six of them. Zombies. Two of the orderlies try to stop them. A nurse carrying a tray is tackled by another zombie. The two orderlies don't last long. What the hell? Leanne and I head down the hall as more trickle in. I think this is our moment is. What? Our way out? You ready for some taffy or what? I guess, but... Boys, boys, help, please. Nurse Stacy was dragged by her legs past our room. Her face and back were covered in blood. Not that way, then. Got it. We ran towards the back of the facility, towards the hills. Leanne yelled the plan back at me as we ran. Climb, big tree, hop the wall, down, up the hills. We stopped just before we got outside. Then, we figure out what's going on, Lee. She nods as she catches her breath. After you, is. We figured out halfway down through the yard, they were actual zombies, who were less concerned with trying to catch us than they were with eating. We walked back to back to the back in small circles, moving as fast as we can until we hit the gravel moat. Ready to run? No choice. I bent down to retie my shoes as she surveyed the wall, and go! We booked it across the gravel, just a few steps in, we had zombies chasing after us. Leanna reached the trees and started her climb first. I looked back to check. You got time, Lee. Go. She looks down from the top with a playful, cocky smile. Easy climb. You got the... Watch it! Zombie grabbed me by my waist as I was hoisting myself up. I fell into the gravel between its legs. It lost its footing. I quickly curled into a ball and felt it tumble over me. Izzy, they're coming. Go, Lee. I'll catch up. No, go. She swung her leg over the wall, and in one move, she was gone. The horde was coming from both sides, but I had a huge gap between them. Once I got back inside, I slammed the door and kicked the door lock on the bottom of it closed. Plan B, Izzy. What's your plan B? It was quiet inside. No more screaming, no more running, just silent. Made it seem like I'd been outside for hours. Couldn't have been more than 15 minutes, though. With my back against the wall, 
I made my way up the stairs. I picked up a broken table leg just in case. The main door handle from the stairwell had a kind of squeak to it. They always said they'd fix it, but I think they kept it that way to try and catch us sneaking out. Even with the lightest touch, squeak, it echoed through the hallway exceptionally loud. I waited a moment before stepping inside. The hair on the back of my neck started to stand up. It freaked me out so bad that I jumped out into the hall forgetting to hold the door shut as it closed. The boom makes me freeze. I didn't realize I closed my eyes. Nothing. Yet. Come on, girl. You're just standing here. The exit's right there. Just get going. Run! I leapt over broken chairs, dodged dead orderly bodies. Nurse Stacy's severed hand clutched the phone while her body was partially eaten under it. Her eyes deadlocked on the wall ahead of her. Just as I reached the door, I heard him behind me. Dutch. P please Jason. He was covered in sweat, like he'd run a marathon with a fever and a stomach flu. Jason. Help, please. At first, I was confused as to why he was crawling. Then he tried to hoist himself up. His legs were gone. All he had was part of both of his thighs. As he got closer, I thought about running. He was getting closer. I looked back at him and looked into his eyes. One was blacked out completely and the other one was starting to darken at the bottom. Dutch? Help. Please. Don't let me. Not like... Help. Please. I can't be... Those things. I stepped closer and kneeled down so he and I are face to face. What was it you said? Please, Jace. Can't deny what you truly are, Dutch. Embrace it. Feel free. Present. I dropped the table leg and never looked back. And there you have it. Chapter 4 of My Zombie Story. I hope you liked it. It felt especially important to share right now at this time. Again, humanity is a necessary thing throughout all of life. And the fact that our humanity is somehow still constantly in question is more than heartbreaking. It's almost soul-crushingly devastating. <sighs> to all my non-binary, transgender allies and friends, I see you. To all my people of color and Black Lives Matter Affiliates, I see you. And to the ladies, the mothers, the sisters, the daughters, the wives, every generation of women, I see you. And I am more than ready to fight for you and with you. To stand by your side as an equal, as it should have always been. Because 
you can't have love without equality. And you can't have equality without love. And we're going to continue to fight. We're going to continue to push love through all the hate that so much of the world was built on. And it won't be easy. We're going to have to face a lot of monsters, both personally and outwardly. But together, we'll get through it. And we will make a difference. Even if it takes lifetimes, it's important that we start and continue the fight. This chapter is called Feel Free because it plays on the illusion of, or the idea of illusion and freedom. Where freedom isn't possession and it's not conformity. Freedom is life. Freedom is living. Freedom is being human. Imperfectly beautiful. It's time to change the narrative. For a long time, the saying has been, love is a battlefield, and that couldn't be further from the truth. Love isn't a battlefield. Life is a battlefield. Love is what we fight for. And I'm willing to fight as long as you are. Thank you for being here. This is New Age Renaissance. Yeah, we're ready. <laughs>